There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water... It starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. So now we have to talk about the Neo-Syrian Empire. All right. I would just like to make a state something for like. So I have like read about this over the last years, just different things, and I I didn't personally didn't prepare a lot for it, just because I felt like after going through it so many times, it, a lot of it. Well, you're going to tell the good part of it. I feel like I was going to get into these details of like, it was just getting boring. Like, why is it 639 or why, you know, and not 627 versus there's so many little, the historians fight over it. So that's my uh, preview of the, you know, this, this decade, the historic, the historians just are hard to date anything. We lose the Chronicles of Shubhanipal in 636 BC. Mm-hmm. And it seems that. The last years of Shubhanipal are really shrouded in mystery. Yeah. We know that he's campaigning at the beginning of the decade, doing great things, beating up Elam again, beating up Cimmerians. He seems to be doing fine. And then suddenly it's just silent. And that's the 640s, really, because like that last, that 630 something, that's the last, that's the last dated prism we have. But he writes about the forties in it. So there's, we, he doesn't say anything about what's going on in the thirties. Really weird. I think 639 is like the last, the last mention of like him as a, it's, it's crazy. We don't even know when Ashurbanipal dies. Right. 
it's either in 631 or in 627. Right. But for for the case of this podcast, it's both things are uh, it's pretty much the same. Right. Um, we do have um, a clue about the year 627 because it seems that the last Neo-Babylonian king who is uh, deposed by uh, Cyrus the Great, he, his mother right. claims to be Ashurbanipal's daughter and she writes about it. And if you do the calculation, it seems that Ashurbanipal died in 627. Right. But most other sources make 631 BC the most believable date. Right. Uh, The last contemporary evidence we have for Ashurbanipal being alive and reigning is a contract from Nippur in 631 BC. Right, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And of course, as things start to go bad in Assyria in the 630s. They don't tell us anything about it. Nothing. But we know who replaces Ashurbanipal when he dies. And that is his son Ashur Etil Ilani. And he implies that his father died peacefully. Mm-hmm. And remember Ashurbanipal has been, a lo- has been around for a long time. So he is quite old. Yeah. At this time. But of course, Ashur Itililani doesn't tell you anything about his death. Except that it, he implies that it's, it was a natural death. Right. Some historians surmise that maybe he abdicated in the 630s at some point. We just don't know. There's also a theory that uh, when he got old and fragile, he had a co regency with Ashur Itililani. Ah. But that is uh, not something the Assyrians are used to doing. And I think Asher Italiani, he had a he had a, a eunuch that was his like trainer. I think I could be thinking about his next the next. Let, one. Let's save him for the six twenties, BC. Yeah, we're gonna get. I'm gonna. That. I'm gonna have to look more. Yeah, I, and I've been like, yeah, the six thirties and Asher Banapal's a murky. We also have the mystery of. Kandalanu. We have mentioned Kandalanu before. Yes, we have. This is a guy who rules Babylonia for the Assyrians. And the most common rumor about him is that he actually is Ashurbanipal. Right. But we know that Kandalanu is around in 627. And that he dies in 627, not 631. So if he is Ashurbanipal... That is another piece of circumstantial right. evidence for the death of Ashurbanipal in 627. But we also have records from Babylonia showing that there are Ashurbanipal armies doing stuff there at the beginning of Kandalanu's reign. But then Kandalanu seems to be ruling Babylonia really well. You don't need to intervene with Assyrian armies in Babylonia. Hmm. And this guy seems to be the perfect puppet king for Assyria. And he's just so pro-Assyrian. Hmm. But we don't know much about him either. No, we don't. We don't know his origin. We don't really know any actions he took as king. It's completely murky. Some think he was Ashurbanipal's brother. And like you said, some think he is Ashurbanipal. A lot of scholars don't believe that anymore. 
Yeah, it's totally conf- it's totally murky. I mean, it is twenty five hundred years ago. So, and if you look at Babylonia, it seems to be doing quite well. We have it is about two hundred economic texts from the reign of Candelano, and that is the most economic texts for any Babylonian king since the 13th century BC. Wow. They are concentrated in the northwest, Babylon, Borsippa, Sippar, Dilbat, and Kursag Kalama. <laughs> and uh, Uruk in the south seems to be doing good at the beginning of the reign, but then economy breaks down in Uruk. Hmm. That is near the sea land, near the Chaldean influence. So Chaldeans are beaten down so many times, but they are about to return. <laughs> they never give up. And thus I have to mention a guy who will become super important. Uh, I bet I know who he is. Tell me. Nabopolassar. Nabopolassar. He seems to be hanging around in Uruk. Okay. And probably he's doing official work there. I bet. I wish he had an autobiography. But he's obeying Candelanu and uh, thus Ashurbanipal. From what I understand, he's an Assyrian official of some sort. It's super unclear who he is. Right. Uh, Subsequent historians have identified him as a Chaldean. An Assyrian or a Babylonian. <laughs> but he knew spycraft. But his uh, uh, his uh, successors will uh, seem very Chaldean. Yeah. I mean, he maybe is a Chaldean, but working for the Assyrians. I, I, yeah, I, that's how I think I understood it. I guess I wish he wrote an autobiography or something. There is an almost contemporary text. There are more than one, but the Uruk prophecy (laughs) describes Nabopolassar as a king of the sea. That sounds like a sea lander. Yeah. That is a Chaldean. Yeah. But yeah, he's around at this time. Yeah, he's a very important person in history. Remember Nabopolassar because he will be settling the old Assyrian-Babylonian conflict. And it will not end well for the Assyrian Empire. No. And I don't think he's even related to Merodach Baladin. <laughs> In spirit, at least. Merodach Baladin would have loved him. <laughs> but during the 630s, he is mostly um, obeying the law of Assyria. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool if we did it? We should make a series of like autobiographies, like. You know, like an auto, the autobiography of Nabopolassar. And he sort of write it in his, in his um, hand. That'd be kind of cool. It would. There's a suggestion to somebody, a good author out there, just like the ancient history autobiographies are obviously not real. In cuneiform. Oh, come on now. <laughs> but in the 620s BC, Nabopolassar will be back in full force. Yeah. yeah okay, so let's stay in the 630s. Yeah. Let's do that. What do you have for me? I got some Olympics. Oh, sports. Yeah. Um, 636 Olympics. We know who won the dialysis, the dialysis or whatever it is in uh, 640, right? Kylon. 
Well, we're on the 636. So we have a guy, Phrynion of Athens. He won the Pancration. And later he became a general of Athens and got a chance to use some of these skills in a duel sometime around 608. But we'll find out about that then. Ari Thomas of Sparta won the stadium. Okay, remember Fyrnon of Athens then for like uh, 30 episodes. Yeah, then, please. Then there will yeah. be a quiz about it. It's, you know, I... Did you ever listen? Did you ever do podcasts? Like I live, I'll sometimes find a podcast and I'll listen to the whole thing. Like and the guy might have did it over five years, you know. <laughs> so I try to go back and listen to them. But yeah, somebody may, you know, somebody may catch that episode in a couple of hours. Yes, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Okay, more Olympics. Yeah, more Olympics. So six thirty-two, I believe this is while the Battle of Chengpu was going on, right? That time, um, there was the Olympics introduced a new event. And it was the boys' stadium and boys' wrestling. So um, this would be like, you know, it's a little murky. I'm going to say this is about from 12 to 17, 18 years old would be boys. I think what's really cool is how, especially the wrestling. I've been reading a book on the Olympics. I'm going to try to finish the ancient Olympics. Pretty good. And um, it just really goes to show you, though, how the Greeks were like, doing all these sports, like especially these martial events, you know, like this physical fitness, the running and the wrestling and the, you know, boxing and pancreation. I mean, here's these, now they're having boys wrestle. And, um, you know, they wonder why the Greeks were such good mercenaries and they're kicking everyone's butt now pretty soon. I mean, here they, as children, they start wrestling. So, yeah, so in the book, there's a story about some a minister, somebody from another country, I think somewhere in the Near East, maybe he's a Persian or someplace, and he comes and he comes to all these gymnasiums and he see, he's just questions all the violence. He's like, my gosh, your sports are so violent. And he's, he sees these two guys, two boys, you know, and they're like oiling each other up and putting the sand on each other and getting ready, right? And then they just start killing each other, like fighting, and then they're done and then they're friends again. Just like, you know, you did boxing and, you know, martial arts like boxing. That's how it is, right? You go in, you, you have your friends, you punch each other in the face a bunch of times, and you come out friends. But, like, you know, they were the only ones doing that. And uh, this will put a lot of pressure on the Spartans because they keep winning the Olympics. But their main weapon, as we discussed in the Spartan episodes, is fitness uh-huh. and discipline. So they have to be a little more fit than anybody else. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you to keep their reputation as the best fighters of greece yeah interesting I do have a little bit of information on the wrestling. Tell me. Um, just in general, like, so that's boys, but, you know, um, it was, they started it in 708 BC, and they called it Pali, P-A-L-E, Pali. So that was the 18th Olympian they brought wrestling. So they say it's the oldest form of fighting without wrestling. So there's two forms, upright wrestling and ground wrestling. Oh, wait a minute. You said wrestling is the oldest form of fighting without weapons. Yeah. You said wrestling is the oldest form of fighting without wrestling. Did I? Yes. Wow. I guess that's on record. So I meant to say wrestling is the oldest form of fighting without weapons. Good. <laughs> that's amazing how you say something. You don't even realize that. So there's, yeah, they had upright and ground wrestling. And upright was practiced in the sand pit. The same, the same um, uh, pit that they used for the long jump. And ground wrestling was done in wet sand. So I have a wet sand wrestling contest. Okay. But they didn't do ground wrestling at the games. The, the Olympic Games only had the upright wrestling in the, in the dry sand. So ground so, wrestling is like dirty wrestling that is looked down upon. Yeah, yeah. It's more like mud wrestling. <laughs> Wet sand, mud, pretty close. Yeah, so um, it, it, was, it, was the first, it was actually the first competition added to the games that wasn't a foot race. So... They like so they anointed their body with oil, but they sprinkled dust over it to allow you know so you can grab them. So you oiled yourself up and you put dust on them. It was you know in the book I was reading they different guys would have different color dust and the different kinds of dust. It was a very you know just like today we'd probably have to go out and buy our special wrestling dust. You know, you know yeah. Joe's best wrestling dust is blue and get the red or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three throws were necessary for a win. I can't. 100%. I'd say a throw was like a knockdown, right? Okay. Um, it's not like Greco-Roman wrestling. like So it's, this is upright type of wrestling. You know, not where you start down on the ground. Um, it's likely that tripping is not allowed. There was, a just like the boxing and stuff, there was an elimination tournament until there's one wrestler was crowned the victor. And their area was called, uh, it was one square plethron, which is, 28.5 by 28.5 meters. That's an enormous is, area. Is it? Yeah, 93 by 93 feet. Yeah, so it's almost 100 feet by 100 feet. Yeah, Compare, yeah, that is a big ring. Yes. You'd be running around in there. But maybe there were more than one wrestling match going on at the same time. Maybe. Yeah, the area, it says. It's true. Good point. Good point. It doesn't say the ring. It says the area. Hmm. They prayed, the wrestlers prayed to Heracles, her, used to be known as Hercules, for strength, and Hermes for speed. So that was their patrons. Heracles is the Greek name, and Hercules is the Roman. 
Uh, well, I like Hercules because that's how I think of him, like Hercules. Hercules sounds like a speaker. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it was held on the fourth. All the contact sports were held on the fourth day of the Olympic Festival. So, and then just like the boxing and the pancreation, there's no um, weight divisions. Um, what does this say? The 16 Olympic wrestlers were, oh, sorry. Um, according to one witness, they said they, the um, Olympic wrestlers had muscles the size of boulders. And they gave each other, they gave them nicknames like, this guy's the bear, this guy's the lion. Well, you better be big if there are no weight divisions. Yeah, I know. You just want to be the biggest goon you could be, you know. Well, here's what they say they should look like. This one coach, he was a famous coach, he said an even temperament and a fine physique were important. He liked a wrestler with a straight back, a solid thigh turned outwards, and wrote that narrow butts are weak, fat ones slow, but well-formed butts are an asset for simping. Simping? I mean, simping is a word like... That's a different word connotation now. It means like if you're sort of like sympathetic to your girlfriend. So I don't know what simping is. Must be wrestling. Why is Philostratus obsessed with butts? Because uh, narrow butts are weak, fat ones are slow, but well-formed butts. So I basically get muscular, you know, because your power yes. comes from your legs. So he likes a good gluteus. <laughs> And all of these guys are naked, of course. So Good point. Right. So you see this big fat butt or a skinny butt. You're like, ah, this guy's no good. If you're going to bet on them, look for the guy, look for the guy with the good butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I don't know how to, dis- which one. Uh, anyway, um, yes. no hitting or kicking was permitted in wrestling, right? Not like the others. They're, they're, that's why wrestling was 708. And then I think we had boxing in the 680s. And then we had the pancreation by the 640s or 50s, right? You're like, All right, wrestling, not violent enough. Let's go punching. All right, let's go kicking. It's at the no gouging of the eyes, and you can't even do that in the pancreation, but that's about all you can do. And it's at the discretion of the referee whether or not twisting the fingers with intention to force him to concede is permitted. Now, that isn't allowed in the pancreation, so that was not always allowed here. Here's the thing, Godness. Grasping of the genitals is prohibited. So... Good. All other holds intended to persuade the opponent to concede defeat through pain or fear are permitted, and they're a big part of the contest. So you want to, you know, beat them up pretty good, make them scare them, so he quits. So you can win with uh, three throws or forcing the other one to quit. Yeah, yeah, scaring the hell out of them. Strangle them. Yeah, you could strangle them, stuff like that. Now here, this Break is a good arms. little... You can break their arms. If you're lucky, you could twist their fingers. The only thing you can do is grab them by the genitals. You know? Maybe get in and say, look how good my butt is. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> They said this. Some, some athletes, I found this. Some athletes were so terrifying that their opponents simply defaulted, allowing them to win what they called aconiti, which means dust-free without having to get dirty. So it was actually a thing. There's a second century, an AD athlete, um... His name was Marcus Aurelius Escalapides. He won the uh, pancreation at a bunch of festivals, including the games held at Olympia, and boasted in an inscription that he stopped all potential opponents after the first round. An inscription, in another inscription honoring a wrestler, Tiberius Claudius Marcianus, says that when he got undressed, all his opponents begged to be dismissed from the contest. <laughs> his butt must have been terrifying. Amazing. Or what else? Who knows? <laughs> like, wait, I just had this vision. 
What if he was like excited when he <laughs> you're like, yeah, no, I'm not fighting you. Forget it. <laughs> I see uh, that they introduced rounds at some point then. If they have rounds in the second century, see, because they don't have any rounds now, right? True, 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 true. They didn't. They were just, there was this fight. Yes. And how about this? There was a, um, infractions were punished by immediate whipping by the referee until that undesirable behavior is stopped. Uh, the UFC should, should have that. I know, right? <laughs> like when you're clinching too much, like stop it, whip, 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 whip. <laughs> Um, you needed three points to win the match. And there, how you can win a point is the opponent's back, hip, or shoulder touching the ground at any time um, by the opponent tapping or in some other way making clear that he concedes through pain or fear and by the opponent making contact with the ground outside the allocated wrestling match ground or any part of his body or by being lifted and carried out. Sort of like sumo wrestling. If you throw them out of the ring, you win. If carry someone 40 meters to the... Yeah. Then, then you should win. And of course, the, the first rule is the three throws. Right. So, like, if this was, like, do you ever see professional wrestling, professional in quotes wrestling, like WWF? Oh, yes. Yeah, they're always throwing them out of the ring. So, basically, if you threw the guy out of the ring three times, you will win. You yeah. don't even have to hit him with a chair. So um, yeah, so maybe this is kind of like rounds too, because after scoring a point, the opponent must be given time to rise on his feet in a few moments before wrestling can continue. So yeah, you can't just throw the guy down and be like, you know, jump right back on top of him. Um, so that's different than boxing and, and, and pancreation for sure. The, ma- the referee starts the match. He could stop it if, you know, the point is scored, all those kind of things. Yeah, like we said, he has whips. They said there's, you know, the referee had some some leeway in deciding the rules. So I imagine over the centuries, things change a little bit. You would hope so. Yeah. Well, today we don't, you know, at least we were in clothes. I, I do have some of the winners, so let's see. We have some of the boys. So boys wrestling, guess who, where he was from? Where was he from? Sparta. Oh, surprise. <laughs> 632 BC. A guy, for his name is Hippothenes from Sparta. And... We also have the Spartans won the stadium. His name was Eurycletus. And, but the boys' stadium was won by a, a, a guy, a boy from, his name is Polynicus. He's from Ellis. It's interesting that we have like a few of the winners for each Olympics, but not all of them. Yeah, I know. You know what I think it is? I'm pretty sure I read it in that book. I think what it is is the records. If there was, an, it, it, like if Olympia had records, we don't have them because all the records come from the cities. So like, oh. this yeah, you had to like sort of tease it back. Like, oh, we found out that this year this guy won like Chiron. We knew. Maybe, like in other words, they might have found out that Chiron won the Olympics in 640 because of his revolt. That kind of thing. That's why it's all pieced together. Interesting that the Spartans are so bad in documenting events, but they are good at documenting the winners of the Olympics. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder why. I think they needed that. I mean, they weren't really very big. Like they weren't, a, they they had they were so strong and powerful, but they had to be like the Assyrians and keep you scared because they didn't lose for many times. But they, I mean, they only had their own citizen soldiers. If they lose an army, they're in trouble. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. use. That's what you know. Honestly, that's what Ashurbanipal did wrong. He just kept using his army. You can't just keep using it just because it's big. He just you know he used it up. In my opinion, you know, just because he had a by the end it was a pyrrhic victory. Yeah. 
that's all I got on the Olympics there. Yeah, so that's what I got for the, uh, that's the end of this episode. I think we're going to have one more for the 630s, and that's the end of this one. That's all I got for today. Well done. Thank you. And you too, Dan, actually. Thank you. I know, if, you know, a lot of times, you know, Dan's got millions of podcasts he does, and a lot of times I do a lot of the research, and Dan did a lot of research on this episode, and so I do, I do appreciate that. It was really very helpful, and I enjoyed it very much. I found a lot on 612 BC, so I'll be doing a lot for that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, but, I hope you guys uh, enjoy it too. Remember our Patreon as well. If you like yes, this podcast, please. consider being a contributor on patreon.com. Search for Fan of History. Yes. Uh, there is a sum you donate us per episode. And if we make an episode, we get the money. If we don't make one, we don't get any money. So it's not yes. a monthly thing. It's per episode. But it is charged the month after the month the episode was published. So... That's good to know, so you don't get confused by that. Yes. Okay. We do appreciate it. Onwards, closer to the fall of the Empire. Yeah, one more decade closer to the fall of the Empire. Thanks, everybody, and thanks, Dan. Thank you, Bernie. See you next time. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.